As I mentioned earlier, our passage today is the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. We'll be reading verses 15 through 20. The title of today's message is A Life and Death Decision. A Life and Death Decision. So as you're turning in your copy of God's Word uh, to Deuteronomy, let's talk a little bit about the context. What's going on here in Deuteronomy chapter 30? Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It is, um, and those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they form one unit, one, one section of the Bible. Whenever you heard Jesus or others in the New Testament talking about the law and the prophets, when they said law, they meant Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then the prophets were the other, other stuff. Uh, specifically, all those folks like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentation, all these things that were written, those were the prophets. These first five books that kind of all form one unit in the Bible, they were the law, or scholars sometimes call them the Pentateuch. Penta coming from five. So five, these five books are one unit. And be, when we get to the end of this book, something major is about to happen. We've seen how God created this earth in Genesis and how he called a man named Abraham to come out and, and to follow him and to go to a place that I'll tell you when you get there. And that man by, of faith accepted God's call and his challenge and he walked forward in faith and came to a new land. And eventually he had sons and, and they had sons and, and there, there came a time where Joseph... We all know that story of how he ended up down in, in uh, Pharaoh's household. And the whole people of Israel moved down there uh, to be saved during this famine. That was God's way of provision for them. And they spend a lot of time down there, several hundred years. And God blesses them and they grow and they grow and they grow to a point where the Egyptians get scared. They say, hey, these folks are going to outgrow us. They're going to take over. And they are pushed into slavery and harsh conditions. And then we see God's calling out of Moses to come on the scene. And he raises Moses up and he leads them out. And they go through these years in the desert as they're seeking and searching for the promised land. And, and that whole era is about to end because that's, they're about there on the edge. But God has told Moses... Moses, you, you screwed up pretty bad, son. You messed up. And so I'm going to let you get to the edge of the promised land, and you're going to be able to look over and see it, but you're not going to enter it. And so as we come to the end of, of, of Deuteronomy, Moses knows that his days are numbered. He's an old man. He's led. He's done his part. And he's about to turn everything over to Joshua, who's going to be the new leader, who is actually going to help them go in and, and, and enter that promised land. He knows his time's about up. And so he begins trying to... Let me sum it all up for you guys. I, I know that I've recorded some of these laws and some of these things, and you know, back in Exodus and Leviticus. And, but he knew what we all know today, and that is we all need to be reminded... We, we're, we all have very short-term memory about the things we ought to do. You know, we could say, do this, and you could say, oh, I know that. But are you actually doing it? 
Are you actually keeping it in your mind? We drift away real easy. And Moses knew that those folks were just like us. They, had, they could drift away. So he gives them a talking to. He gives them what are some, some last words. These aren't his very final words, but they're close to it. They're, they're the final words that he gives before he says, Oh, and by the way, my time is about over, and I'm turning it over to Joshua. That's in the very next chapter he says that. So he says, I want you folks to really, out of all those rules and all those commands that I've given you, all those verses, I want you to get the, the core. Here's what I really want you to understand. And, and that's this passage talking about life and death that we're going to read today. So I want to ask you to please stand with me in honor and reverence for the Word of God as we read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land. You are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's pray. Lord, as we listen and ponder your words that record Moses, challenging the ancient Israelites to choose life. Father, I pray that we would make the right choices as we are faced with life and death choices each and every day. God, we pray and ask that your spirit would work to stir our hearts and our minds. Lord, to see and understand the places where we're not choosing life where we're choosing the path of destruction. And Lord, cause us to repent and turn from those ways, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. A life and death decision that Moses called the people of Israel to. We're not in the exact same situation. We're not all loaded up about to cross a river and fight a battle and enter a new place and get new homes. But however different our circumstances are from those people, the principles that are given here today are incredible principles that even exist in this day and age and will always exist for us as long as we live on this earth. Every day you and I have a decision. We have a choice. We have a thought. We have two things. 
in front of us, life and death. And so I want us to think about what this teaches us about life. Number one, life is a choice. Life is a choice. Not in the sense of somebody else choosing for you, but in the sense that as you come in this world, each and every day, once you begin to have your own intelligence and your ability to decide right from wrong, to make decisions, you have choices. We know the extreme result of those choices, of the choice of life and death, that can come when a person is severely mentally ill, when they're depressed, when they're down, and we know that there's, there's choices there. And a lot of times us, we, as believers, we relegate our choice of life and death just to that kind of decision. We see a tragedy where someone has lost their life and say, oh, that's so sad. And sometimes people say, I don't think I could ever, I don't understand that. I don't think I could ever get to that place. Other people say, I do understand that. I, I, I've had some bad thoughts before. But we limit this decision about life and death, this choice to those extremes of, am I going to continue existing physically on this earth or not? But when the Bible talks about choosing life, he's saying far more than simply, hey, don't cease to exist anymore. Don't take yourself out. In the Bible, life and death have to do with our choices in our direction. Do we want to follow a path that leads us in God's way and toward the life that he wants for us, the blessings that he wants for us, the relationship that he wants for us, or do we want to go away from that? And every single day, every person of every age makes that choice. And Moses said, choose. He said, this is a choice. In fact, it's a very clear choice. He says, I've set before you life and death. You can just imagine. It's kind of like that old game. Which hand do I have it in? Is it in this hand or is it in that hand? But the thing is, it's not a secret. He says, my hands are open. You can clearly see, here's life, here's death. Which one are you going to choose? Which direction are you going to go? We all have to decide that. We all have to acknowledge that's what we're doing. Because in fact, when we do not choose life, when we just say, well, I'm not making a choice, then we're choosing to not choose life. We're choosing to go in the wrong direction. And the reason for that is, is that we, we have something fundamentally within us that we call a sin nature, and that is we have this predisposition into us that unless we're being selfless, unless we're walking with God, we tend to be selfish, we tend to be destructive, we tend to have bad habits and patterns that we just fall into. You know, that's just the way it works. You don't ever see somebody that all of a sudden you look at them and you're like, whoa. Man, you're ripped. I mean, you got pumped. You lost the fat. You got muscle. You got the guns. How'd that happen? And they say, uh, I don't know. It just happened. It just happened. Uh-uh. 
Wouldn't that be great if it just happened? No, what naturally happens is that the muscles go and the pounds come on. You don't have to choose, oh, I'm going to be out of shape. We just don't happen to choose, I'm going to follow the path of health and being in shape. And by not purposefully, actively choosing that path, we just automatically go down the other. Well, what's true in the physical world is just as true in the spiritual world. God said there is a choice. Life and death. By the way, life is connection, increasing and growing connection to God and his goodness. There's many definitions of death, but one of the main definitions of death is simply separation. When we lose someone to death, we are separated from them. We no longer get to be with them. When Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when they chose to sin, there came a separation. And they were no longer intimately connected and as close with God as they once were. And so when the Bible tells us the wages of sin leads to death, that is, sin causes a separation between us and God's goodness. And we have a choice every day. Do I want to connect, to reconnect, to grow closer to God, or do I want to choose to go away from Him? So first of all, life is a choice. Second, as we think about the the subject of life and what it means to us, we see that life is a command. Now, I like this. Those two almost seem contradictory, right? How can it be a choice if it's a command? It is that because God's given us free will. And he tells us up front, hey, here's a choice. Here's something that you have to do. But by the way, I'm commanding you to do this. I'm commanding you to love me, to choose life, to walk in the right paths. Why would he do that if he's really given us free will? Again, it kind of goes back to this game. If God just says, choose life. Hope you choose the right one. I hope you know where life is, but I want you to choose life. That wouldn't be very fair. We might choose with all of our hearts the, one, the path we think is life, and then we find out it's not there. It was over here. But by telling us to choose life, and we say, I want to choose, I want to follow, and then he says, and I command you to do so, he's saying, oh, here it is. I'm making it clear I want you to choose life, and I'm teaching you what life is. And life is loving me. It is following my commands. It is doing what I have called you to do, entering into a closer and deeper relationship with me on a daily basis. That's what life is. And the closer we get to God, the closer we get to his goodness. Doesn't mean that the circumstances around us will be good. Very often, because you're living right, because you're close to God, you will experience some tough situations. But here's the thing. While the promises that God was giving through Moses back then had to, were simply to do with this life, that is, do right so you can stay in the promised land, or do wrong, and you're going to get invaded and kicked out and overrun and exiled. 
Those promises had to do with what affected them in this lifetime. But in the New Testament, Jesus makes it very clear that the blessings that we receive from following God's word enter into this life and the next. Jesus had uh, just seen, just sent the rich young ruler off in misery because he didn't want to sacrifice to follow God. And Peter turns to him after seeing that, and Peter says, Lord, we have sacrificed. Lord, we've, we've given up everything to follow you. And Peter puts his foot in his mouth so often that we expect the next thing that Jesus is going to say is, Peter, how could you? I thought you were a good spiritual person. How could you even ask me about the rewards that you'll get? That's kind of what I expect Jesus to jump on Peter and say, that was the wrong thing, Peter. But Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, he says something, does something the very opposite. He says, he basically, his, his response is kind of saying, good question, Peter, let me tell you about it. And he says, anyone who's given up family or lands or money or whatever will receive that back 100-fold in this life and the next. And those, that little you know, clarifier in the end is very important in this life and the next. In other words, as you grow closer to God and you benefit from the blessings of that relationship, some of them are going to come in this life. But guess what? The ones that maybe you miss out on right now, that, that you don't have in this short little time, that maybe if we're lucky and do well, we make it to 70, 80, 90, a few of us 100, Instead of having those blessings in that little short time frame, God says a bunch of them are going to come in eternity. You've got some leftover blessings that I haven't finished giving you. And so just because you don't see them in this life doesn't mean they're not really coming. There's more to come in the next life. So life is a choice uh, that we make. All right, It's a command that God says... I want, you got to make a choice, and here's the command I'm telling you you need to make because I want you to have life. And finally, life is a consequence. Life is a consequence of making that choice over and over and over. We're not talking about a choice, an initial one-time choice to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. That's what happens when you come into the family of God, you believe and you trust in Christ, and you're now part of his family. Moses was talking to people who were already part of God's family. They were the Israelites who had seen the miracles. They'd seen the plagues in Egypt. They'd seen the Red Sea cross. They'd seen the pillar of fire uh, and, and the cloud. They'd seen all the miracles. They believed in God, okay? So when he said choose life, he wasn't talking, he wasn't saying get saved. He wasn't saying believe so you go to heaven one day. He was saying, now that you've already chosen life, eternal life, you've chosen to follow God, now you need to choose to follow up with that decision. You need to not stop, but you need to keep walking in that direction that you've been put on. Because the choices we make have consequences. Over and over, people who don't believe in grace, 
They don't believe that God could really forgive them. They say, I can't take this. I can't get this. I don't believe in a God who, you know, is just going to forgive and, and, and that none of my life matters. See, they, they misunderstand the Bible about this. There's, there's an old saying where people say, you know, what keeps me from getting saved and then living like the devil? Well, first of all, if you go into it with that mentality, you're not really there in the first place. You don't come to God in rebellion. You don't come to God and say, I'm going to trick God and I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to walk an aisle or whatever. And I'm going to get all the benefits, but I'm going to live however I want. That's not the attitude of true faith that we come to God in. But most of us come to God in true faith. We really love him. We, we trust him. We believe him. But then we go on and we realize that walking for him and living for him is difficult sometimes. And we may ask ourselves, why do I keep going down this difficult path? Now, hopefully our primary reason is love for God and gratefulness for what he's done. But just in case that isn't enough, he says there's some consequences. There's some things that are going to happen if we don't follow that path. And so our decisions as Christians do matter. Our path to heaven, our journey is to being part of God's family, that may already be settled. But what we experience along the way, and even what we experience in the afterlife, the rewards we receive or don't receive, the words we hear from Jesus as we stand before him and he evaluates our life as Christians, they may be well done or they may be not well done. They may be poorly done. They may be you wasted what I gave you. God has called us to choose. He's commanded us and told us exactly which way to choose, that is to follow him and to love him. And he's told us that this choice matters. It is a matter of consequence that will last not only in this life, but for eternity. How we live matters. Our connection our influence on others, all of that affects us and everyone around us. God says, <clears throat> I want to make it so clear and so easy. You got a choice. This is the right one. If you follow the right choice, you're going to draw closer to me. You're going to draw closer to my goodness. If you choose the other way, or even if you just simply refuse to choose, you're going to experience a broken fellowship with me. You're going to experience a distance from my love and from my goodness and from all of the great things that I want to have for you. Please don't choose the wrong way. Please don't refuse to choose. Please choose the path of life. Moses knew he was going off the scene and wasn't going to be able to remind those people of that anymore. And I want to tell you, God wants us to be reminded just as those Israelite people were. Their choices. The choices are clear. But they have to be made and they have to be followed if you want to be on this path of life. My hope for you as a congregation is that each and every one of you 
would not only make an initial choice to believe and trust Jesus Christ, but that you would continue day by day. Jesus put it this way. He said, whoever would be my disciple must deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. It means I am going to go with God's way. It'll mean sacrifices. It'll mean difficulty. It'll mean hardship at times. But that is the path of life. And that's the path that I choose to walk. And I hope that each of us will make that decision. Pray with me. Father God, I love your word. I love how we see how you have spoken in the past and and your spirit brings it to life for us, how you continue to speak to us. and, And God, you're not like a teacher who puts trick questions on a test to try to fool us. Lord, you don't have a sick sense of humor. God, you love us and you want us to choose life. You want the very best for us. You've laid it out in your word. You've told us that you are our life. And any decision we make that takes us away from you is therefore a decision towards death. God, I pray that each of us would get this message in our not only in our minds, but in our hearts, that with everything within us, we would understand there's such a vital choice. And God, we wouldn't even think about choosing anything but you, that we might choose life. God, help this to be the conviction and the daily decision of our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.